0: Hello everybody and welcome to Max Sports. It's our first episode of the week. I want to try and figure out how to save the Pro Bowl. For those who don't even know, I was actually talking to some people on Facebook yesterday and there's people that completely forget what the Pro Bowl even is anymore. So we are going to try and fix that or at least discuss what the future of it should be after that. We're in the dark ages, folks. The Super Bowl is not until Sunday, and I don't really want to give you my pick yet. So we still have to wait for that. Don't worry, I will be right on my Super Bowl pick. But you'll have to wait. i got to get you my full analysis for it. It's the dark ages, though. It's time for the off-seasons. All the coaches have been hired, fired, retired, everything. So now it's time to talk about drafts. I think today I would rather, instead of talking about mock drafts, because we still have, we technically don't even know the order of what the draft board will look like yet, I would like to see a redraft. ESPN came out with a list of how the first round would go again if it was redrafted from this previous season. So let's take a peek at how it all laid out. Max Sports is starting right now. All right. So, for those who do not know, the NFL actually has their own all star game, kind of like the NHL, baseball, um, NBA. They all have all star games. And the NFL has had one that's almost fading out of existence, and that is the Pro Bowl. Now, the Pro Bowl used to be the NFC versus the AFC. So, both of the different conferences. And It'd pretty much just be an all-star game. So some of the best quarterbacks, receivers, defensive players would play a football game on the same team. So you'd see division rivals suiting up to play with each other against other against their other conference to see who comes out on top. It used to be a really cool event. I still even remember the Pro Bowl being competitive when I was a kid. However, over the last decade or so, it's lost a lot of its charm. Now, I've heard a lot of people talking about it, and I do want to bring in some other opinions outside of my own, which could maybe shape why the Pro Bowl has gotten here. But it has now turned into flag football. And I am not joking like one of those people when you know, they see a roughing the passer call and just say, is this flag football now? No, the Pro Bowl is flag football now. Despite naming people to the Pro Bowl roster, like offensive linemen, defensive linemen, fullbacks, corners, despite naming all of these positions to the Pro Bowl now, um, it's flag football. It's like seven-on-seven seven flag football. I don't even know if there's seven people out on the field. It is completely lost a lot of its charm when we're talking about contact football. That is completely gone. Now, I do think that there are some things that can be charming about it still. It feels like it's almost like a celebration of the season. It's for all of the teams that did not make it to the big dance. You get to see some of the biggest stars in the NFL. And I always kind of viewed the Pro Bowl as, like, a big vacation for some of the biggest stars in the NFL. They are the money makers. They are the guys that people are buying jerseys of. These are the stars in the sport. And we kind of all get to celebrate them and kind of like, congrats on a great season. They play a football game. There's a couple cool skills challenges. And then we get ready for the Super Bowl. However, though, I think it has become less and less popular over the, the last several years. Part of it due to the fact that it's not really a football game anymore. It's more a flag football. Players didn't want to play in the Pro Bowl because they were afraid they were going to get injured. You don't get paid to play in the Pro Bowl. And if you get injured, let's say you tear your ACL in the uh, Pro Bowl in February. Yeah, you're not going to be able to start next season. You know, the games where you actually get game checks. So it makes sense in such a violent sport these guys do not necessarily want to damage their bodies to the point of no return in a game that does not 100% matter. But what do we do to fix it? They've tried a couple things now and this is the second year where they have tried something new, the Pro Bowl games. Now this is almost like just a group of events, challenges. It's it kind of looks like a mix of like American Gladiator, you know, where there's like obstacle courses and stuff. Um, I, you've seen a lot of the, the players celebrating out there, but again, at the end of it, they do play a game of football flag football, and the final score was 64 to 59. Now, if you're a fan of like big 12 football, that just looks like a normal football score to you, but to everybody else on the planet, that, that looks like a basketball score. Okay. And I don't think a lot of people are necessarily interested in it. I've seen a lot of people that didn't even know it was happening. And so what necessarily is the reason why it fell off like this? Well, I was actually listening to Pat McAfee, a former all-pro punter, kind of talk about it. And, you know, he's a very polarizing figure in sports. But I will say I think McAfee had a good um, mindset when it came to this. And this kind of shows why the Pro Bowl had fallen off. He said when he first – he had gotten into it before and – he had seen what the Pro Bowl was. The first time he made it was in Arizona. They had just recently moved it. It used to be in Hawaii. It kind of used to be like a player-only resort thing. Then it comes to Arizona, and he just said from the moment we were there, it just didn't feel genuine. There were times where people were saying that, you know, that these players were in the same exact hotels as other conventions happening. And, you know, he said, uh, Luke Keekley a Hall of Fame level linebacker for the Carolina Panthers helped get him to the Super Bowl back in 2016. He said he was being harassed by fans constantly just coming up to him, not minding his personal space. I understand they're big stars. They're big celebrities. There's people that are going to want to meet them, but again, they are also humans. We need to give them personal space, maybe having extra space for them, have their own peaceful area, their own little bubble, perhaps. Um, and McAfee said that there were several times through his experience in the Pro Bowl, even almost a decade ago, back in twenty, 2013, know, 14, 15, he said, even then, it didn't feel necessarily like it was a top priority for the NFL. It was kind of an extra little moneymaker. It, it, it's not something they focused or cared too much about. It didn't seem completely organized. It se- didn't seem like they really cared that much about it. And so from his mindset, when he got invited back to the Pro Bowl, he said, nah, I'll pass. So, when it comes to a situation like that, you're hearing former players not even from an injury aspect. They're not worried about getting hurt in the game. They're just feeling like it's not worth the time. Their season's over. Why don't they spend time with their families? It's a huge dedication to be a football player. You don't see your family, you don't see your friends, you don't see your loved ones for a long amount of time to give up all that. Do deal with all the travel and then they just say, "Hey, it now it's time to have a fun time at the Pro Bowl. And it's not really more of a relaxation and just kind of like, hey, what a great season we had. It just feels more like a unwanted charity event where you're really not benefiting anybody but the NFL. I can understand why players were like, eh, F this. So what can they do to fix it? Because I'll be honest, I watched some of the skills challenges on social media, and they were interesting enough for maybe – like a TikTok length of content, but not something I'd put on TV, not something I'd watch. You can tell that the NFL is trying to rejuvenate this as well, bringing in, I mean, some of the most likable guys in all of football history, the Manning brothers, Peyton and Eli, to coach these teams. Everyone loves Peyton Manning. The fact that ESPN has the Manning cast, it shows. He is a moneymaker in the NFL. I think if they could do like a fan commissioner getting – Getting Peyton Manning to be the next commissioner in the NFL would show that not only you found a guy that cares about the sport of football for fans, but players alike. So, very likable guy from by players, by organizations, by committees, by fans. And yet, I didn't watch a second of the Pro Bowl live. I saw the clips, I saw the final stops, but I'll be honest, it didn't seem like it was something that was must see TV. I'm football first. It, when my Michigan State Spartans are playing, I like to be watching it. When my Detroit Lions are playing, that that time is always going to be you know available. I always need to see my Lions every week. But when it comes to the Pro Bowl, no, I switched it to a Michigan State basketball game. I'd watch an NBA game over that. And now I'm not speaking for everybody, but for for a lot of us, football is king until it really isn't. And I didn't th- I did not really feel like what I was seeing in the time I was seeing it was worth taking my TV and changing it from an actual live sport to that. I'd rather watch college hoops, rather watch maybe some NBA. Shoot, I might not, might even need to get into hockey with how bad my Pistons are. So, the thing for me when it comes to the Pro Bowl is it's not the it's not playoff football, it's not um It's not really the Super Bowl. And with the amount of hype coming up to the Super Bowls, up to Super Bowl Sunday, it kind of just feels like a bump in the road. I mean, think of it you get some of the greatest football games back to back to back every i mean think of some of the great football games we saw in the playoffs lions rams how emotional that game was the the stories there how about the browns and the texans the rivalry renewed from the deshaun watson trade you know some of the big upsets the packers upsetting the the cowboys and then having a classic against the 49ers we saw some of the best football games we will see throughout an entire year in a one month span and then it's two weeks before our, until our next game with this Pro Bowl in the middle. And I don't know maybe if it's one of those things where like this is something that maybe should happen like midseason. Do we just need to cancel the Pro Bowl and just do like a Pro Bowl honors? I don't really know what the case is going to be, though, when it comes to this moving forward. I would like to feel like there is some recognition for all stars in sports. And we're already starting to get this when it comes to awards based on uh, basketball. We have heard about this. For those who do not know, quick little tangent here, but we'll make we'll, we'll get back. Um, uh, League MVP last year, Joel Embiid, has battled with knee injuries his entire career in the NBA. Um, there's times where he's missed chunks of seasons due to, to bad knee issues. He's a big guy, a big center, and he just hasn't been able to stay healthy at times. He had a great season last year where he was one of the healthiest, had one of the healthiest seasons he's had. He's repeating it. He dropped 70 points just a couple weeks ago. He's a Hall of Fame caliber player. And he just recently got injured, uh, had an ankle injury, like his injury history has had. And it has come out that the NBA is actually going to be making a rule where you have to play a certain amount of game, X amount of games, if you are going to qualify for end-of-season awards. That doesn't only affect you know legacy, but it also affects money in the NBA. If you make all the all-NBA team, you are qualified for a Supermax extension. You are a valuable player to this league. That is something that's really, really important. On an NFL level, let's bring it back to the NFL now. You have guys that are sitting out of the Pro Bowl because they don't necessarily value it. How can we find a way to value the all-star level players, the guys that are really important to the game, maybe come up with a way to entertain them without making it feel like it's a chore. It's, it's unnecessary. Again, these guys have families. Yes, they're here to entertain us and they get paid handsomely to do so. They show up and play one of the most violent sports out there. There's a lot of times they're playing with injuries and, and fighting through injury to play this violent sport. And so I feel like it is justified, especially as the season has expanded Look at all these uh, social media posts to see everything about historic Super Bowl highlights one year ago today. Well, that's because the season keeps expanding. We have more playoff teams than ever, and we have a longer regular season. So these guys are getting beat up more and more and more. I'm not necessarily surprised they're not interested in doing a Pro Bowl. So the best thing I could think of at this point is maybe just do like a midseason Pro Bowl honor list. Just to highlight some of the names, like the NBA All-Star game, they do All-Star teams and stuff. Uh, That's the best I can really think of when it comes to this situation because I don't know, unless you really just put the pads on, I don't think the product is going to get any better than what it is. And maybe this is interesting enough for other people, but for me personally, I did not get much interest from the Pro Bowl. We'll wrap up this segment here. The second segment of our show today, we're going to be talking about ESPN. They came out with a list of redrafting all of the picks from this past season. I will show you why I have a big mindset on mock drafts moving forward. We will be right back. All right, as we head into our final segment of the day, there is a little bit of a note I want to share about drafting the NFL, how teams get built into Super Bowl champions. It it all relies on drafting yes there's sometimes the big trade that puts a team over the top like christian mccaffrey to the 49ers but look at the core brock purdy was a draft pick how about all the receivers brandon iuke debo samuel draft picks their defense fred warner draft pick how about their uh elite tight end hall of fame tight end george kittle draft pick how about the chiefs quarterback draft pick uh, Chris Jones draft pick, Travis Kelsey, a gem, diamond in the rough draft pick in like the fifth round. You have to find draft picks; it's what determines the success in the NFL. Very rarely do teams just buy their way to the top. Even when you looked at a team like the 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 Rams, they traded everything to get Matthew Stafford, and then they signed Odell Beckham, and then they got Von Miller in a trade. Yes, they made those big pieces, but draft pick Aaron Donald. He was the most valuable player in that Super Bowl. So the draft at the end of the day is the most important thing. And that's why there's a lot of opinions when it comes to draft picks now, later, someday else. And we got a redraft here from ESPN. So what came out is they made a list of the first two rounds. We're not going to do two rounds. We're going to do one round here, but they went back through the exact order that the draft was set at on draft night and they make picks based on what they think it should be after we've seen all these players in their rookie season. And I think that this list shows exactly why mock drafts and draft grades right after, you know, the first round has happened are ridiculous. And I will have a little bit of a a segment talking about this after, but let's do the list today and then let's come to our conclusions. First round the Panthers. They had the first overall pick. If we remember, they traded up. They wanted one of the top prospects at quarterback. There was Bryce Young. There was CJ Stroud. There was Anthony Richardson. They wanted one of them when they traded up. They didn't really have their mind made up on who they wanted yet. And of course, they picked the wrong guy as of now. CJ Stroud looks like a generational quarterback and he just fell into the Texans lap number two overall. However, The original pick was Bryce Young. In this recap, obviously they take C.J. Stroud first overall. That means that the Houston Texans quarterback was taken from them. Pick two, who do they get? Anthony Richardson, the Florida quarterback. I don't necessarily love this new pick. I really liked Stroud and how he played this year, and I don't think that the Texans would be the team they were with any other rookie quarterback this year. I think Stroud was a huge difference. I don't think they make the playoffs with any other rookie quarterback in this class. So yes, Anthony Richardson probably was quarterback number two. Um, He looked really good to start the season, especially for a rookie, until he injured his throwing shoulder only four games into the season. I still really worry about his ability to slide ability to avoid huge hits, and the ability to throw after his arm injury. Yes, he's young, but again, Anthony Richardson has had a lot of, like, that's not the injury you really want, to your throwing shoulder. Cam Newton was a very similar build to Anthony Richardson. We all remember Super Cam. He would run into people, he'd try and truck people, he'd go diving headfirst into the end zone until the injuries piled up and he couldn't throw a ball five yards accurately. Eventually, his shoulder got destroyed and he couldn't throw a football at an NFL level anymore. I hope that's not the case with Richardson. I feel like we are seeing a very special player. I need to see more of him, though, in order to say it's worth the number two pick. At number three, Will Anderson. He was originally the third overall pick, um, but it was going to the Houston Texans when they traded back up. They got themselves a generational defensive edge rusher. The, at number three, it makes sense to still have him here. The Colts, instead of getting Anthony Richardson, because he is gone select Puka Nakua, obviously the best receiver in this draft class. He was a diamond in the rough. Similar again, like when we were talking about draft picks, I don't think that the Rams were the Rams this year without Puka, a guy who beat a ton of rookie receiving yards was arguably the best receiver on that Rams team this year. And uh, yeah, he broke the nfl single season rookie record for receiving yards and receptions what else can you say that guy is a special receiver and uh yeah definitely probably the biggest gem in this draft so far And number five devin witherspoon stays with the seattle seahawks a very great physical corner three sacks 79 tackles and an interception that ended up being a pick six yeah witherspoon perfectly fits Seattle corner. I mean, physical, aggressive, hits you hard. What else would you want there? The Lions. We'll talk about the Lions in a little bit too when it comes to mock draft analysis. Everyone ripped on the Jameer Gibbs pick. I was even questionable about it myself. I have learned to not question stuff. Um, In this sheet, It has the Detroit Lions selecting Jameer Gibbs, 6th overall. I think that is a worthy pick there. Gibbs showed how special and unique of a player he could be. I think that this was an amazing decision by Detroit, especially in the original draft, being able to trade down 6 spots and use a future draft pick to get Sam Laporta, who would be a first-round pick in this draft if it was redone again. Sam Laporta was the top 3 tight end in football this year. and so. You got a top three player at a position, and you got a very good running back in the first round. Amazing, amazing move by Detroit there. In this one, the Raiders go for tackle Paris Johnson instead of defensive end Tyree Wilson. I was worried about Wilson when it came out out that he was coming off a right foot surgery and had a very big chance of slowing his development. He had three and a half sacks, two of which came in his final four games. He might be able to become a much better pass rusher next year, but I just worry about Tyree Wilson. I think Paris Johnson would have been the right decision there. Bijan Robinson stays in Atlanta. I think that was a good fit, especially with the run first style offense. You like having that kind of um, stable of backs, multiple guys, Algier and Bijan. Thought that was a good move. For the Bears, they select Jalen Carter here at number nine. Remember, the Eagles actually got that pick eventually. I think that Jalen Carter has the potential to be a very special player. He seems to be a shoe in for Defensive Rookie of the Year, unless Will Anderson somehow gets it. But he forced uh, two fumbles. He had six sacks, a fumble recovery, and a defensive touchdown. I mean, very, very interesting player. I think he has the potential to be one of those like Aaron Donald or Chris Jones um, or a and Williams, a guy who can bring quarterback pressure up the middle of the pocket. And that's a rare thing. Like outside of those guys, there's not a ton of, you know, five, six, seven sack defensive tackles in the NFL. The Titans. Go with Bryce Young instead of Peter Skoronsky, according to ESPN. I'll be honest, I think they're completely fine with Will Levis. And I think Skoronsky will be a pretty good pick to keep that offensive line Young and protect um, uh, Will Levis. I think Levis showed more than Bryce Young. And yes, while Young is the better prospect at the time, I think that the Titans did fine in this situation. Um, This one has the Houston Texans at 12 overall, picking Jordan Addison. I don't think that this is necessarily the right pick. They had Tank Dell. They have Nico Collins. Um, this is not, I, I think that's kind of a stretch in my opinion. I think they have the weapons. I think they just need to find maybe better offensive line play, maybe a running back, uh, or maybe some defensive depth. And this one has the Green Bay Packers at 13th overall, picking Sam Laporta over a Lucas Van Ness, the former uh, Iowa D end. I think that that would be a great fit for Green Bay. They drafted two tight ends in their draft class for last year. Laporta was the best tight end in the draft. I think he would have done a great job in Green Bay. The Patriots select Zay Flowers, wide receiver, instead of Broderick Jones in this number 14th overall pick. I think Zay Jones would have been a much-needed weapon for New England. I mean, they have no real strength. Their offensive line isn't great. Their quarterback isn't great. Their run game isn't great, and and again, their receivers aren't amazing by any means. So, getting a weapon like that, we saw what he was capable of doing in New England, I think, or in um, Baltimore. I think he would have been a great fit in New England. This one has the Jets taking Broderick Jones instead of Will McDonald at fifteenth overall. Um, I think that this is. I thought at the time it was a little bit of a reach positionally for the Jets. I thought that a tackle was needed. But if we remember on draft day, the Jets could not get a pick or could get one of the premier tackles because they had all gotten picked before their turn. So the Jets missed out on a blindside blocker to protect Aaron Rodgers. And we saw how that affected their season. Yes, the new pick obviously would be a tackle, but in hindsight, it really wasn't available at the time. The Commanders take an offensive tackle Darnell White ins- uh, Wright instead of Emmanuel Forbes. Forbes really struggled this year as a rookie. Hopefully he can develop and get better next year. But uh, Wright might have been the uh, better pick in that scenario, knowing how much Sam uh, Howell got uh, sacked this year. It was it was a little atrocious for him. Uh, the Steelers select Brian Err... Yeah, Brian Branch instead of Christian Gonzalez at this 17th overall pick. If you remember, the Patriots actually traded to get this pick. I think that Brian Branch was an amazing pickup as well for the Detroit Lions. Um it, I mean, again, the fact that he fell out of the first round. I remember seeing Brian Branch as kind of a first round lock on a lot of mock drafts. It shows why mock drafts don't mean everything. He fell to the second round and the Lions were able to get him and it was an absolute steal. Um Number 18, where the Lions were picking Jack Campbell, they ended up getting Joey Porter Jr. in this redraft. I think that is definitely what they would have needed, a corner. Jack Campbell played very well in his rookie season as a linebacker and could end up becoming that green dot captain on the defense, That the you know the guy that can analyze the defense and really be the leader out there someday. It was his rookie year. He made some really good tackles at times, but he also showed that he has some things to learn still. I think I would have liked Joey Porter here. Tampa, they hit it perfect. They get Kalijah Cancy again. Cancy showed off that he could be really, really good. He dealt with some injuries, unfortunately, a calf injury. But he was able to bat down some passes in the playoff round against the Lions. I thought he played pretty solid this year. And again, he still has a lot to show. Um, His numbers were pretty deceptive for what he was really able to bring his rookie season seattle seahawks they go for kobe turner the d tackle that ended up going to the rams instead of jackson smith and jigba i think we looked at the smith and jigba pick as a absolute steal jsn was a guy that had top five potential when it came to being a receiver until he got injured and sat out the majority of the season in at ohio state I think that he had the potential to be one of the best uh, or highest-picked players in the draft. He ends up falling to pick 20, but I think, again, an interior defensive tackle might have been the better pick for Seattle there. They have DK Metcalf. They have Tyler Lockett maybe adding some more to the defense. Could have helped them down the stretch last year. The Chargers, they get Dalton Kincaid instead of Quinton Johnston. Unfortunately, again, Johnston was a guy that dropped the most passes out of all rookie receivers this year, and he was the highest drafted guy. I think it really makes sense for them to change their mind. Tight end could be a really good fit. That way you have uh, receivers at multiple levels. Keenan Allen was, was a great guy. Mike Williams, a great receiver. And then you have Kincaid. You can make multiple levels when it comes to your offensive play calling, so you can have guys at all three levels of the field, deep passes, middle passes, and short passes. And uh, yeah, uh, Johnson struggled with a 4.5% drop rate, which was really bad. And Dalton Kincaid broke the Bills record for most receptions by a rookie. I think we show, I think we can see at least right now, what player truly has the better ability. Uh, the Ravens go for Devon Achan instead of Zay Flowers. I think that they really don't need a running back here. Achan was really good. He was an explosive running back at times this year, hitting 200 yards, it felt like every other week. Um, I I will say, I think when it comes to the Baltimore Ravens, they still should have wanted a receiver. Yeah, in a redraft, they might not have been able to get the guy they wanted, but Zay Flowers was the right pick in that moment. Uh, Minnesota Vikings, they get Jackson Smith and Jigba because Jordan Addison's already been picked in this this redraft. Uh, The Jacksonville Jaguars get Anton Harrison instead of Deontay Banks. You really look at it this year, I think that they needed some extra protection for Trevor Lawrence. He was injury-prone this year. He had a really rough season. He was getting hit a lot. You got to protect your quarterback, and I think that would have been a better uh, decision in hindsight for the Jags. Uh, The Giants, their new pick would have been – uh, the Maryland corner, Deontay banks. I think that it would be really good for the uh, giants to be able to help out their secondary. Honestly, at this point, the giants just need help on all fronts of the ball, defensive and offense. They have some good pieces up front, Dexter Lawrence and uh Kayvon Thibodeau outside of that, though, the defense isn't great. Getting a guy in the secondary like that would be a good addition. At number 26, the Cowboys go with Jack Campbell instead of Mozzie Smith. With Leighton Vander Esch getting another season-ending injury, it really shows that they might need to add some youth movement into their linebacking core. And Jack Campbell played in every game this season with 89 tackles. I think getting a linebacker like that, just one of those hard hitters, would have been a great decision for Dallas. Uh, The Buffalo Bills, their original pick here, um, was Anton Harrison at pick 27. They'll go for Osiris Torrance. They actually picked him, but it was actually later in the draft. I think this time it makes sense for them to get him here. Um, Again, Torrance was a great addition to the offensive line for the Bills that really helped finally revive a run game in Buffalo. I think he'll be a great piece for this team going forward. Cincinnati Bengals, their original pick was Miles Murphy. Here they get Dewan Jones tackle from Ohio State. I think they desperately needed to, similar to like the Jaguars and, and the Jets, like I was talking about, some teams in the NFL just do not value offensive linemen. They are fine with their quarterback getting murdered out there. That only causes the quarterback to make mistakes, feel pressure easier, and get injured. You gotta protect Joe Burrow. What do you know? Two season and in, in, uh ending injuries in three of his years starting. That's not good. So as we are wrapping up here, we got the Saints taking Brian Brisset. Nope, they pass and take Peter Skoronsky. I think they could have used some offensive line help here either, but again, this late in the draft, you just take what you get. The Eagles, they go for Tui Tuli, Tui Pulutu. Sorry if I butchered that. Just an edge rusher from USC instead of Nolan Smith. And then when it comes to the Chiefs, they pick Rasheed Rice, um, 31st overall. So that was our first round. If you remember, the Dolphins did not get a pick due to tampering. So that leaves a conclusion I wanted to draw to after we kind of went a little long in the tooth going through that mock draft. But I think this is probably the most important part of this segment. Look how many picks were right. Look at it. At the end of the day, if I ever do a mock draft for you guys, I want to try and be informative, but also make sure that there's an asterisk that it is entertainment. I am not an insider. And even if I was an insider, I remember doing my mock draft, my final one, when I was making them all the time last year. And I kind of learned that it makes no sense to do this anymore. I had two picks right. I picked uh, Bryce Young, and I picked the tackle that ended up going to the Steelers, but I got it wrong because the Steelers traded up to get him. So I completely, I, I got two picks right in the entire draft. Let's, let's talk about Mel Kuypers of the world, a guy that has made a name for himself off of draft boards. He got so many picks wrong. And the thing is, I feel like some of these insiders, when they get picks wrong, they immediately just decide to criticize the pick because it was wrong i talked about it earlier and it's interesting how this happened as well brad holmes the gm for my detroit lions one of the best executives in football right now he's been able to revive detroit football to the best i've ever seen in my life it has made me so happy being able to watch this team play at a better level than i than i've ever seen he has been able to get pro bowl caliber players in every single draft since he has joined the lions something that I have never seen in my life. It used to be our first round pick, and then it used to just be body bags, like just guys you throw out on the field. We are finding gems in every round. Amon Ross St. Brown, fourth round pick. Sam Laporta, second round guy. Um, I mean, James Houston, a guy who had eight sacks just two seasons ago, was a sixth round pick. He is finding talent on all fronts and at all levels. He was criticized by most people for picking Jameer Gibbs and Jack Campbell. And we just went through this redraft, and there were four players in the Lions draft class that ended up having first-round grades. Jack Campbell, Jameer Gibbs, Sam Laporta, and Brian Branch. He found four first-round talent players in a draft where people were criticizing him for every single pick he made. And what do you know? Here he is with four core players in another draft. I honestly liked it. He came out and had a press conference the other day and kind of flamed up some of the uh, the writers talking about how people, you know, I want to hold people accountable because people have criticized our process at times. And to the fans, I want you to not worry about our decision-making process. At the end of the day, his track record speaks for himself. He's found an all-pro player in every draft class. Fact. And at the end of the day, this team, the majority of it, almost 70% of this team is three-year players or less that he has drafted. Outside of Jared Goff and some washed-up has-been players, some just washed-up veterans, it's pretty much the daycare club and some old heads. That's it. He hasn't made the big splash free agent move. He hasn't just signed a big quarterback out of nowhere, signed a big defensive player. It's all of his work. And so he calls out. He called out people in the media saying, you wanted us to draft a quarterback. I remember you were you know, writing about it. You didn't like our draft grade. You didn't want us to pick Panay Sewell. Panay Sewell is the best tackle in, in football right now. I even looked back and did some investigative research for you. Uh, the 2021 NFL Draft think of it, that was three years ago now. That's honestly when you should be doing draft grades on how a class turned out. Perfect example, Amon Ross St. Brown might be the second best, third best receiver in that class. If we remember that one had Jamar Chase in it. I believe it was Jamar Chase, either Jamar Chase or Justin Jefferson. I'm I'm forgetting the, the COVID year really confused me. But Amon Ross St. Brown was arguably the second best receiver, if not the first best or the the best receiver in that class. He was all pro this year. And so we kind of like to jump to conclusions, similar to like this Bryce Young situation. Oh, he's not CJ Stroud. We've got to redraft. Peyton Manning was not a Hall of Fame quarterback after one year in the NFL. Bryce Young still has a chance out there. Again, everyone ripped on the Lions for their draft grade and they found four first round picks. So we kind of need to chill with pretending we know everything when we do not. I might try to guide you on what I think might happen, but I promise you, I promise you listeners, I'm not going to push a belief of like, I didn't really like this pick when it comes to like a player. I'm not going to be like, I don't, I don't like it. I might say, hey, I thought they might go for an offensive lineman here because their quarterback was sacked 400 times but I'm not going to say, I think this pit player was bad. We don't know. Nobody knows anymore. And again, we are criticizing some people that seem to know the game better than we want to give them credit for Brad Holmes still gets made fun of for taking Jameer Gibbs who ended up being the best running back in, in the, the class. And was arguably probably a top three to five running back in football this year when it comes to his dynamic ability, Laporta, they moved down. Everyone wanted the Lions to pick Jalen Carter or Devin Witherspoon. They got a, a guy who looks like he's on a Hall of Fame trajectory at tight end because of their ability to trade down. And so we don't need to criticize, we don't need to be doing draft grades until a couple of years after we see these players play. So I will be doing mock drafts. I am not going to be doing trades because that is ridiculous. We're not making hypothetical trades and then coming up with a hypothetical draft board because of it. I'm going to try and keep it as real as possible, and we're going to try and find fits. I'm going to try and tell you who I think are some of the biggest names, players I really like, but I'm not going to tell you at the end of the day that this was a good move or a bad move until we see these guys actually run out on the field. You wouldn't want your job hiring you or firing you based on something you have or have not done yet, You know, so you gotta prove that you're capable of doing the job before you get the criticism for it or the praise for it, and that's all I'm really asking here. I will be wrapping up this episode because it's getting a little long, but I wasn't able to make one for you guys yesterday, so I appreciate all of those who have waited for uh, you know these episodes to come out. As I'm finishing up school, it's been a little more difficult this semester for me to find time to make these episodes, and so I appreciate. The people that find time to listen to this because I'm trying to find as much time as I can to give you the best content possible. I will see you all tomorrow. I think a fun topic I would like to do, it's been so long since we've done power rankings, maybe doing an official 32 team power ranking based on how the end of the season concluded. Who's trending up, who's trending down as we get into next year. I will see you all tomorrow, friends adios a bye bye